needs to understand, appreciate, and believe in the immaculate conception of his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. The third of these divine revelations about the Blessed Virgin Mary is her perpetual virginity. According to St. Thomas Aquinas, Christ was born of Mary by divine power so that Christ's birth would not break or violate Mary's body. The divine revelation which the Catholic Church defines as the perpetual virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary simply affirms that Mary was a virgin before the birth of Jesus, she was a virgin during the birth of Jesus, and remained a virgin even after the birth of Jesus Christ. In the dogmatic constitution of the church, Lumen Gentium number 57, the church solemnly affirms that Mary's virginity was real and perpetual even in the act of giving birth to the Son of God made man. In fact, Christ's birth did not diminish his mother's vaginal integrity, but sanctified it. Since it was the will of God that Mary would conceive his eternal son without violating her virginity, it was also his will that Mary would give birth without violating this precious virginity. God, who made it possible for her to conceive as a virgin, is able to make her to give birth, even as a virgin. This dogma of the perpetual virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary affirms that Mary was a virgin before giving birth to Christ, a virgin while giving birth, and remained a virgin even after giving birth. Christ came to sanctify her so he would not violate her virginity. Indeed, Christ's birth didn't diminish his mother's vaginal integrity, but sanctified it. By this dogma, the church maintains that Mary had no other children or any child after Jesus Christ. But this teaching isn't easily acceptable among some Christians. Firstly, they would refer us to what the scripture says in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 verse 17. Here, Jesus is referred to as Mary's firstborn son. Indeed, every firstborn, whether male or female, is generally referred to as what it is, firstborn, with a general anticipation that other children might follow. But in the case of Jesus, and according to the will of God, no other child followed. But with particular reference to the Jewish culture, an only son is also known as the firstborn son, since the firstborn had special privileges and duties. The perpetual virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary was prophesied by Ezekiel, the prophet, in the book of Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 1 to 3. It reads, Then he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces east, and it was shut. And he said to me, This gate shall remain shut, it shall not be opened, and no one shall enter by it, for the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered by it. Therefore it shall remain shut. Only the prince may sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gates and shall go out by the same way. And verse 4 quickly added, The dazzling light passed through the east gate and went into the temple. Note what the prophecy says, This gate shall remain shut and shall never be opened again. No one shall be allowed to enter by it, for the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered through it. Now, there is no such gate in the temple in Israel. This prophecy is fulfilled in the Blessed Virgin Mary. She is the gate through which God came to dwell among men in the New Testament. It is not fitting that another human being should pass through her. And according to the angelic doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas, the virginal womb of Mary is the shrine of the Holy Ghost and should not be desecrated by mere human conception. Now, the second objection to this teaching is about what some scripture passages refers to as the brothers and the sisters of Jesus. 
Yes, some passages of the scripture talks about the brothers and sisters of Jesus. The following Bible passages make references to brothers and sisters of Jesus. They are Mark chapter 3 verses 31 to 32, Luke chapter 8 verse 19 and 20, and Matthew chapter 12 verse 46. Matthew chapter 3 verse 32 said, And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And the crowd was sitting about him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Also, John chapter 2 verse 12 said, After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. Also, in John chapter 7 verse 3, Bible said, So his brothers said to him, Live here and go to Judea, that your disciples may see the works you are doing. From the above scriptures and others like he, we have not heard anyone referred to as a son or daughter of Mary. Again, the Gospels of Matthew chapter 6 verse 3 and Matthew 13:55 recorded, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not these his sister here with us? And they took offense at him. Now, if you are familiar with your Bible, you would discover that some of these names mentioned as brothers of Jesus were also mentioned in Matthew chapter 27 verses 56 and Mark chapter 15 verse 40 and another woman was mentioned as their mother. Here it is. Matthew 27 verse 56 said, Among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's son. Mark chapter 15 verse 40 also said, These were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary mother of James the less, and of Joseph and Salome. Definitely these people were not children of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Furthermore, from the epistles we also hear some persons referred to as the Lord's brothers. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 19, Paul wrote, I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. Now, there are two James among the apostles. One is James, son of Zebedee, Mark chapter 3 verse 17. And the second is James, son of Alphaeus, Mark chapter 3 verse 18. Perhaps there is a relationship between any of these men or their wives with either Joseph or Mary. But certainly none of these two James is a blood brother of Jesus. Biblical passages have often referred to Jesus as the son of Mary, emphasizing exclusiveness. Also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 5, he wrote, Haven't I the right to follow the example of other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Peter? It is evident from the scriptures that the apostles of Jesus were also referred to as his brothers. In the Gospel of John chapter 15 verse 15, Jesus himself said to his apostles, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. But after his resurrection, he called them brothers. He said to Mary Magdalene in Matthew chapter 28 verse 10, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And here he was referring to his apostles. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, just after the ascension of the Lord, the scripture tells us that all these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer together with the women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Here also the scripture is referring to Jesus' apostles. Note that no single Bible passage ever referred to anyone else as the son or daughter of Mary except Jesus Christ. And we are supposed to be Bible-believing Christians here. 
Joseph and Mary certainly had no other child or children after Jesus. We could allude to this from the scenario that played out in Luke chapter 2. At the age of 12, Jesus went with his parents to Jerusalem for a pilgrimage. There was no mention of another baby as there was none indeed. And after that incident, there was no further mention of Joseph, the foster father of Jesus, in the entire New Testament as he had probably died since his mission in the life of Jesus had ended. We have additional biblical testimonies to prove that Mary remained a virgin after the birth of Jesus. Firstly, from the question which Mary put to the angel Gabriel in Luke chapter 1 verse 34, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? This can be inferred that she had resolved to remain perpetually a virgin on the ground of a special divine enlightenment. We have to consider this statement by Mary as a reference to her vow of lifelong virginity. We have to regard the sentence as having to do with a condition rather than an instance of time. For instance, if I ask you to drink a beer, if I offer you a bottle of beer and say to you, take and drink, and you say, thanks, I don't drink, I would understand that you mean that you never drink a beer, not that you are not drinking here and now. Secondly, the fact that dying Jesus entrusted his mother to the care and the protection of another person, his beloved trusted apostle John, in John 19.26, other than his supposed brother, presupposes that Mary had no other children. Mary is ever virgin. In the following awesome hymn, St. Ephraim praised Mary and her perpetual virginity. He said, and I quote, O virgin lady, immaculate mother of God, lady gracious, most pure, the sun's splendor, booting staff of Aaron, you appeared as a true staff, and the flower is your son, our true Christ, my God and maker. You bow God and the word according to the flesh, preserving your virginity before childbirth, a virgin after childbirth, and we have been reconciled with Christ, God and your son. End of quote. St. Ephraim was a Syrian, a monk and a poet who lived in the 4th century between the year 306 and 378 AD. At this time, there was no New Testament scripture yet.